If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is The Art of Awesome, episode number 68. When you're on like a more natural diet with a lot less of the stimulating foods in, it's much easier for you to hear like your, your body signals clearly. Hit it! That's what I'm talking about! Wait! Okay now, from the beginning. Hit it, boys. Welcome to The Art of Awesome. My name is Nick Troutman, and I'm a professional athlete, entrepreneur, family man, and adventure seeker. My goal is to share with you stories, knowledge, and inspiration as we continue on the journey together, searching for that secret sauce to producing awesome results in everyday life. Thanks for spending some time with me today, and let's get to it. Welcome back, everyone, to The Art of Awesome. I am your host, Nick Troutman, and this is the show where we search for that secret sauce to success and the difference between the average and the awesome. Today is Monday, and as you guys know, or at least if you guys already subscribed to the show, you know, Monday we do our deep dive interviews with phenomenal guests. And I guess just go ahead and mention that if you don't already subscribe, go ahead and hit subscribe so you guys stay up to do up to date and in tune with the latest and greatest shows. Uh, But yeah, back to today, we've got this awesome interview that I just had with a great friend of mine and world champion freestyle paddler, James Bemington. Today we talk all about James's history of kayaking, but also his unique um, diet and the raw vegan lifestyle, how he uses that for peak performance and kind of what he encourages others to do that are maybe a simpler version, being that raw vegan is pretty extreme. He's got some other information and ideas for just living healthy lifestyle and reaching that peak performance, whether it be in athletics or just everyday life. So very cool uh, conversation that I just had with James. We also talk a little bit about how he's dealing with COVID, training for the world championships, and whether or not he thinks that the world championships and whether or not uh, we think that the World Championships will even happen in England this year or not. So very cool conversation and something that I think you guys are going to really enjoy. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. Here is James Bemington. James, welcome to the Art of Awesome podcast, and I'm stoked to have you here. Well, thanks for having me, Nick. It's a pleasure to see you again. Yeah. So, so James, you're a world champion freestyle kayaker. You actually took the title from me when I was a world champion freestyle <laughs> kayaker. But um, yeah, so thanks for that. But you're also a, a filmmaker, an author, and a raw vegan athlete. And so 
there's a couple different things that I want to talk to you about. I definitely want to jump into the the whole raw vegan lifestyle and and kind of how you got into that. But I want to go back even further and just ask kind of like, how did you even start getting into kayaking? Where where did that all start for you? Uh, It was quite, when I was like a kid, I I really liked water sports. I was really into swimming and bodyboarding and sailing, anything sort of water related, I used to really enjoy, especially if I was in the sea around waves. But where I lived in the UK, we're not really um, super close to anywhere where there's any good surfing and it was like a hassle to go there. So it was basically only in the summer holidays you could go surfing. And then uh, I was just watching uh, TV and they showed this clip of, um, I think one of the first Red Bull kayakers, Sean Baker, running this waterfall in Iceland. And I think he actually almost drowned at the bottom. I remember remember them sort of being under the water for an extended period of time and like popping up brown or something and having to be like resuscitated or something like this. And anyhow... I saw this this clip of him almost drowning at the bottom of this waterfall. And I was like, I don't know, that looks like a, a great sport to do. So I was like, <laughs> like I want to find out how you do that. So like I was pestering uh, my parents to find me how on earth you start kayaking at all. And they found me like a local canoe club. So I'll t- take you to the swimming pool, teach you to roll, and then progress slowly onto rivers. And uh, that's when I started to see freestyles when I actually was just doing my first few river trips. And I was like, oh. You know, that, that looks uh, a lot more fun than drowning at the bottom of a waterfall. So um, that sort of hooked me in the other direction. But that's basically how I found kayaking and got into it in a very condensed window. That's awesome. And I I've, I had a similar story of like just falling in love with freestyle kayaking and just loving the tricks and surfing and all that stuff. Um, I, I didn't have the idea of like, oh, there's someone almost drowning at a waterfall. That sounds like a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's pretty interesting it's an unusual way in i admit yeah very unusual yeah i i would uh i mean i guess also i don't know i think sometimes too when you watch some of those edits especially in the past more so that people used to yeah they almost like would extreme it to the like or like edit it to the extreme where you're like oh he almost drowned when really they just like slow it down and he was underwater for like uh-huh. six seconds or something but and i don't know maybe maybe he did almost drown i'm, I'm not sure i haven't seen that i clip, think but... for me i just sort of saw like the excitement of it and like white water and i was like oh i didn't realize you could do this at all like i didn't know i didn't knew no kayaking was even a sport in any way so for me it was just like it looked really exciting and something completely different to what i'd ever uh seen before and then as you do it obviously you realize there's a lot a lot of uh, skill and different disciplines and it's a whole new world opens up to you so i find it fascinating to get started and a great way to sort of um do water sports in many different different ways especially when you're starting out because you try a whole load of different things before you sort of find something that really resonates with you that's amazing yeah no i think uh i i'm yeah i totally agree that kayaking in particular has so many different aspects that that make it um intriguing for people to come check out just in the fact that I was talking with a friend of mine a while back and it was um uh they were just talking about how like waterfalls are so gorgeous and then you you like how kayaking is so great for Instagram or something because you throw a person in it or a rapid or a wave or something like that and it just like pe- people already love looking at you know rapids and water and waterfalls and all that stuff like it and where we get to go uh in different canyons and rivers like it's so 
naturally beautiful that it's it's mm-hmm. already amazing even if you're just like meander down like a class two river you're you can go find like some of the most beautiful spots ever and then you add the excitement of the rapids and the thrill of like surfing and doing tricks and all that kind of stuff like there's just a lot that kayaking has to offer i think for for a, a variety of different people looking for all sorts of different things it's pretty cool yeah i agree for sure i mean like even at the moment um we're locked down in the uk currently so i've been just sort of going on flat water there's just a, a river nearby called the mersey which is sort of famous in the uk as being uh, one of the most polluted rivers in england like historically now i just think it's not too bad but it's not known as like a picturesque beautiful river it runs through like a lot of the big bigger cities through quite industrial areas so it's, it's not known to be like beautiful in any way but then I, i'm going there every morning just so i can sort of do something and it's like just a little bit upstream from where you get in, which is quite like under like a dirty sort of road bridge. It's like a nature reserve. So you're seeing like actually quite a pretty bit that you wouldn't really get to any other way. So it's quite interesting. Like even in somewhere you wouldn't expect it to be like, I'm sure like obviously if you're going down some waterfalls in a beautiful canyon, so you expect that to be pretty. But when you're even like in the middle of a city going somewhere you wouldn't expect to find it, you can actually see some places that remarkably are quite beautiful. That's That's super cool. And so I, I also really want to dive into your whole ve- raw vegan lifestyle because I find that super interesting and unique. And I've tried a varied, you know, different diets and all sorts of different things. And I've had different, uh, I don't know if I would call them health issues, but different things that have like limited foods that I've been eating and stuff. And so I'm trying to remember back when you were the freestyle world champion, were you already on the raw vegan diet then, or was it after that? No. So, well, well, basically we switched. So Catherine, my wife, she sort of read up about it. I think about eight or nine months before that world's, I think, uh, I don't know. I think she found it in some Russian book and she sort of tried it on herself and liked how she felt after a little while on it. And like the main point is at the time we was like really sort of trying to figure out any other ways that we could, sort of do better that we recover a bit faster so it wasn't like any deep like ethical thoughts or anything it was just a case of like oh maybe we could try this and we might perform better or recover better or do better at what we were actually trying to do our sole focus at the time was uh, mostly just on how well we could kayak and then for probably the last two two or three years before that was sort of getting like infections like sinus infections here and there i was getting malaria relatively often and I did a lot of things to improve my health in the run-up. But anyway, like I stopped drinking and went from like a normal sort of diet to a much healthier diet by conventional standards anyway. And that obviously made a big, big difference anyhow to how often I was, I was getting sick and things. But we're still sort of looking like there must be like other things you could do that would, would make a difference. So Catch Your First sort of tried it and felt good. So I tried it and like we didn't really have any sort of knowledge of what how exactly you do it. We just sort of thought, well, I mean, like animals don't eat cooked food, so I guess humans shouldn't. So we'll just do the same, and like without any real sort of uh, too much deep thought with it. So we we made a lot of mistakes for sure along the way, uh, when, especially when we first doing it. But regardless of that, like one of the first thing we noticed after after like a month or two, because at first I lost quite a bit of weight, and then sort of started to put a little bit of it back on. So just kept training and kayaking as normal. Um, but I noticed I wasn't getting any infections anymore, any sinus infections from when I was paddling the, in the dirtier spots. I just noticed I was sleeping a bit less, recovering a bit quicker, and that sort of increased over time. And that was, I think, 
well, at least there's a whole load of factors, but that was in my mind one of the factors that made a, a big difference to me there, whether that be psychological or physical or what, but like definitely knowing that I was doing everything in my mind, at least at the time, which I know now I could have done a lot more, but at the time I felt like I was doing whatever I could do to help improve my performance. So there's definitely a psychological push there too. But uh, I do think physically it made a huge difference, like especially having done it or been on primarily that kind of diet for a long time since, like I noticed that I don't really, well, I haven't been sick once from anything like, uh, like a, I haven't had any major sicknesses in like the last 10 years or anything like that. So it's made, that I think is in itself quite unusual when I compare myself to most people I'm around. So it's made a major huge difference to my life overall. And it doesn't necessarily, like at the beginning when we did it, it was quite like, okay, we have to be fully, fully raw all the time. And that's the only way to be like properly healthy. Whereas now I think, and especially when we work, like, cause Katja works as a nutritionist now, when you're working with most people, most people to be on a hundred percent raw vegan diet, it's just, it's just not going to happen. Like one, it's, it's hard for people to stick to. And two, like in a normal sort of environment where you're surrounded by things all the time, it's a, it's a challenge. Like the times when I've sort of slipped off, especially it's like when I've been doing like TV expeditions and stuff, when it's like, you don't have full control, you can't get the things that you'd normally have access to. So it's in some circumstances, kind of impossible. So I think the main thing for people is if they can include a lot of uh, fresh vegetables and fruits in their diet, regardless of whatever, 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 anything else they put in, they'll feel a lot better. And if you can reduce the amount of like heavily processed foods, like uh, fried foods, like foods that's been sort of cooked at a high temperature. So like if you're going to have cooked foods, having stuff that's like steamed or boiled will be a lot better for you than, for example, something deep fried or something that's been in the oven for, for three hours. So like that's kind of advice for most people. And I think raw veganism in an ideal circumstances works really well. And I'd say like myself, I probably eat like 95% raw food all the time. And that, that works is, is like the bulk of my diet. But I will have like some steamed stuff here and there. And like, especially if I'm going away on, a, on an expedition, it's just not like I did try it actually with, I did a TV expedition to, to Bhutan uh, two years ago when I was uh, filming and a kayak on the trip. And I tried to be fully raw vegan for that, for that trip. And uh, we got there and like, you could get like salady stuff, which is but a little bit of it, but, and you could get these bananas, but they're like this big and rock hard and like, I just couldn't could like and we're doing like insane amounts of like physical work every day and it was just like just not gonna happen so i got like i managed to go to like halfway and then i was like looking a bit completely like gray and like i was like okay i think i just need to eat something and then i felt fine yeah wow yeah so, so there's there's a couple things in there that that i want to unpack um one you said that when you when you went fully raw vegan um did I couldn't understand? Did you say that you were sleeping less or sleeping better? Uh, sleeping less. So like, because it was at the time sort of when we was staying next to Plathling, like the site of of the World Championships. For those who don't know, and like we'd be kayaking hard, like two or three sessions a day, and like usually a lot a lot of people who were training there at the time were sleeping super long because it's obviously like when you're paddling that hard all the time, you need more sleep anyway. But I noticed when we switched to that diet like our sleep went down a couple hours hmm. uh, like and still feeling restful not like we were like i mean we didn't ha at the time i didn't have an alarm or anything there's no reason to had no reason to get up early but 
I was waking up earlier than I w was doing uh, before without. So I was basically getting more, uh, I was recovering quicker, basically. That's amazing. And so you, for, for, for the people out there that maybe don't know you maybe as well as I do, when you were younger, you used to actually have the nickname Pringle because, um, <laughs> I'm, and I'm guessing that that nickname actually came because you ate a lot of Pringles and you probably didn't have this like super health conscious diet. So you, you switch full raw vegan for the performance factor, not as much for like any ethical reasons or anything like that, uh, or moral reasons, whatever. Um, and obviously you, you found that it was that your performance was elevated and you've, you've kept at it for now, however, 10 years plus whatever. Um, do you still like, do you, you like 95% you're, you're fully focused on raw vegetables. 5% is that steamed, you know, semi. I'm just say like, uh, it gives you that, that like room for flexibility when you need it. Like when you're, uh, not in places that make it easy to do so like i don't make it like in the beginning i was quite i took it as quite do a dogmatic approach to it i'd say like quite um extreme but it, yeah like whereas now like also like because of like catcher's work and the people she's worked with, with with all kinds of health conditions i see that for some people it's not it's not uh possible for them so like in the way i talk to other people about it, it's quite different as well because in the past i thought like okay this is the the the, if you want to be the be the most helpful, this is the only thing you can do. But then I sort of realized there's actually a lot of gray areas in terms of how people with all kinds of different physiologies and health conditions and environments that they live in, there's a whole lot of stuff to it that makes it a lot more complex than it appeared to me definitely when I was 20, well, I was 23 years old or how old was when I first started it. But I, th I do think the, the main takeaway for me is that if you're getting most of your calories and food from fresh vegetables, fruits, nuts, sprouted seeds, that kind of thing, and having plenty of water, like hydration through water, uh, juices, whatever it might be, you'll be healthy, as healthy as you could be from a diet perspective. If you're having some some meat or fish in there for people, if you try and keep that to, to a minimum and, and keep it that way and try and avoid like processed foods, you'll still be on a pretty good path in my eyes from a, from a health perspective but I just think the main thing for people is if they just include plenty of fresh vegetables steamed vegetables if they don't want if they don't want to have salad all the time they'll, they'll feel good interesting so if you it, like again the raw vegan lifestyle and and diet is probably like one of the most extreme versions of uh -huh. of that do you think it's and you kind of just touched on it both a little bit but do you think that there's it's better to go like as like the next step, you know, away from that, if that's like all the way to the end, um, would be like just like a vegan lifestyle or vegetarian where you're, you know, you're still cooking foods, but it's, it's mainly just vegetables. Or do you think it's like, well, you could also go eat some meats and, and like, I guess what, it, what I'm trying to get at is, do you think that there's a difference between going fully vegan where it's like, where there's, you know, obviously just no plant, animal, you know, substances or, or ingredients versus do you th like, so what do you think is better? I guess I, I, I'm kind of like trying to figure out how to word this. What do you think is better between, I think I understand your between vegan, vegan and cooking or like less cooking, but allowing some meats and stuff like that? I think, um, 
there's a lot of people who eat a vegan and vegetarian diet who will have quite terrible health because they're eating a lot of like hugely processed foods so like in my mind that's way worse than if you for example ate plenty of like salads fresh vegetables fruits stuff you grow in your garden all that kind of stuff and have some meat and fish here or there that'll be a lot healthier than someone who's on a purely vegan diet but eating lots of like heavily processed sort of vegan or vegetarian uh, junk food and i think like even from like an environmental standpoint like if you're get it having stuff that's local to you so especially if you if, if you can grow stuff having that kind of food and your diet's going to be better for the environment if you happen to for example live next to a river and you can fish and you're catching fish that's going to be better for you than buying like something that's shipped halfway across the planet and that's going to be better for the environment too so i don't think it's quite as black and white as a lot of people um like to say it is like i think it's there's a lot of room for common sense in there and i think like the less process something is the less far it's traveled um, and if it's ecologically grown, like if it's growing in your garden, it's going to be, and, you, and you're growing it organically, you aren't putting loads of chemicals to find it, it's going to be fresh. So you're going to have a lot more of the nutrients in there and it's not going to be completely with those chemicals. So I think what gets underestimated a lot is like the quality of the produce, whether it's even from like the supermarket or from something that's been heavily processed, something that's been sat around for a long time, like, like vegan junk food, for example, there's going to be very little of the nutrients remain compared to if you were just pick a load of vegetables from your garden and eat some fish from the stream down down your road or whatever or from something local that that would be better for you obviously i think it's best to have like a more vegetable based diet but i i don't think that i think the main thing for people is if they can pick a diet that makes it easy for them to eat most of their food coming from vegetables and fruits most and, and a large amount of them not heavily cooked be it fresh or steamed or whatever it is that's what i think the optimum for them so it's whatever they can stick with that they enjoy eating that that works for them because i think like a lot of people will have um will pick out like an ideal to go for that's so difficult for them to stick stick to that they'll do it for a couple of weeks and then they'll go back to eating whatever the junk is that they were eating before whereas i think like if you can find something that's pretty good and works for you and you can stay on that and be happy for a long period of time you can be on that for a long period of time and then maybe in the future you might want to go up a little bit further or like take it or you might learn some more about yourself so i think it's about choosing something that you can be consistent with and stick to is more important than being like perfect no i i totally agree with that i love how it's i mean and, and i think that's really it is that you're actively trying to eat a healthy lifestyle and and in part of doing that it's what makes you feel good. Do you know what I mean? Like, so we're trying mm -hmm. to remove as much of the heavily processed foods. We're trying to eat more healthier. And in doing so, you're, you're likely to feel better about it and, and therefore continue it on. If you go fully to the extreme and you're just like not enjoying what you're eating or it's really difficult, like what you say, you might do it for maybe even a couple of weeks, but eventually you're going to be like, this is a horrible idea. I'm not, I'm waking up and hating this every day. And eventually you're mm -hmm. just going to stop. So figure it out like, a way or a version that is a little bit less processed or a little bit healthier and just go that route. And then like what you said, if you want to continue to like stepping stone and, and eventually get like, you know, healthier and healthier as you go, that's, that's probably the best way to go about it. I also think you said uh, further back about hydration and this past year I started, um, anyway, this like workout program type thing called like 75 hard. And part of it was that you had to drink a gallon of water a day. And up mm -hmm. to that point, like I, I used to regularly get dehydrated because 
I would never drink enough water because I'm in the water so much. Like when I'm kayaking, I'm just getting like uh -huh. splashed around in the face. I got water in my mouth, whatever. And therefore, I'm not like thinking about drinking water very much. And and I would regularly be dehydrated. But then this this past year, trying and actively trying to drink um, like a gallon of water a day has been totally different for me. Where I feel like I don't know my I'm. I can tell when I, when I don't drink water again. Like, so if I, like yesterday we were, I did a race and, and stuff and I got off the race and I could just tell my body, I was like, wow, I'm super dehydrated right now. Like my mouth is dry. My body, like my muscles get tighter. It's just interesting how your body is, is what, like 70 something. It's a massive amount percentage of water, uh, of water mass. And I think a lot of us are regularly dehydrated and don't realize how much water we actually need. And, and also I think too, at times your body will tell you I'm thirsty and people think that I'm hungry. And so they, they like, they get this, like this, the body's telling them like, I need something. And they'll like substitute that with like, Oh, I must need to go get a snack. And it's like, well, maybe you're just mm -hmm. actually thirsty. Like try a glass of water first and see if that helps. And then if you're still hungry, then like, you know, go, go get a snack or whatever. But, um, I don't know. I, I, th me personally, I've, I've just been amazed at how much hydration has changed, um, my eating habits and my energy levels and all that stuff in the past year. Did you, did you find the same thing when, when you went, like when you were hydrating more? Like in the, in the past, like I never used to really, like, I never used to think about drinking water, probably much, much the same as you really. And like, and now like. I kind of just have to make it as a habit so like I always have like hot water with me and I'll drink hot water like sipping on it on most of the time when I'm when I'm doing things and then uh, it makes a huge difference and then obviously like this last uh two or three years I started having like a lot of juices which is primarily cucumber and uh, cucumber and celery is the main ingredients for them so it's mostly like super watery vegetables and having that every day it makes like a huge difference especially like to you, like your skin like how how whether you're getting like dried skin and stuff and like your energy levels and like you say like basically like managing your hunger as well like if, or people a lot of people do confuse and that's one also one of the things i've noticed from seeing people like with, when you're on like a more natural diet with a lot less of the stimulating foods in it's much easier for you to hear like your, your body signals clearly so like if you're on like a pretty clean diet where you're not having lots of like uh I know super stimulating foods like McDonald's or whatever ever it might be. It's super easy to like not be able to tell what your body's trying to, to shout at you. Whereas when you're on a relatively clean diet and like not having lots of stimulating stuff going in, it's quite easy to see like, oh okay, I need to eat more of this kind of food or I need to drink more or like you actually feel your body better. And so I think it's it's hugely uh, important to be hydrated and a lot of people miss it. For yeah. Sure. Do you, do you, where does like coffee or tea, being that you're English, does, does tea fit into your diet? Like, is, is that there or coffee or anything like that? Or is that out? Uh, tea, I've, I've never been that bothered by, bothered by tea. Like coffee is like one of those things like that in the past I drank all, all, all the time. And I for sure like every now and then we'll, we'll slip up and, and have some coffee, but I, I shouldn't. And, uh, I, that's one of the things that, um, I, I don't think is the best thing for you. Interesting. For sure. It's it's so yeah wow I I I have but it's also one I think I think there's some studies it's like one of the most addictive things I think it has like tougher withdrawal than like heroin or something wow I I, I haven't heard that but to I, some people but I wouldn't be surprised because I am very um 
I guess, probably addicted to coffee. And, and that's actually one of the things that I've had to cut out due to these like health things that have been going on. I like would break out with full body hives because, uh, I was essentially just having like these allergic reactions and, and histamine reactions to all sorts of different foods and, and coffee was one of them. But, um, but I've been like trying to go in and out of like different versions to see, because sometimes it's like a combination of foods. And, and so like it could have been the coffee and the nuts that I was eating. Um, where are you getting your, the majority of your proteins from? And, and what's like, I guess, like what's, what's a daily, um, like, um, a daily meal set up for you? So like, um, like at the moment where I'm not like, because of the restrictions we have in the UK right now, I'm not as physically active as I would like to be. Like I'm still doing my, like my strength training like every other day and I'm going kayaking every morning on the flat water, but like, I'm not doing like, I get bored super fast on the flat. So I don't do like a long session compared to like, if I'd go and be like at the white water course training there or doing a river or something, I'm just not doing the same amount of exercise. So I'm, I'm eating usually, about one one meal a day at the moment which I've, I've been doing sort of intermittent fasting for like the well probably most of the last sort of t- 10 years not like i read about intermittent fasting and tried to do it it just like we found like i didn't really feel like having breakfast so we just sort of wait to eat for the first time they when you felt hungry which is usually about one o'clock when i'm physically active and then now i'm not that physically active compared to usual and sort of that pushes later and then if i'm eating at sort of four or five then that's kind of me sort of good for the day but if i'd be doing like a normal amount of um, activity i'd be eating two two meals a day so like what i would say like a standard day would be is like one of the main things i'll have will be uh, a green juice so it'd be like lots of leafy greens like ideally from the garden if it's the right time of year um if not from the supermarket and then it'll be like celery cucumber usually something like ginger beetroot carrot and then a bit of water just to sort of top it up and then i'll put in there i'll put um, spirulina like uh, the the powder um, and I'll put like my vitamins so like B12 D those kind of things in the juice itself and so that'll be like uh, don't know in, in American sizes but like a couple of liters probably of juice and I'm sort of using that as a way to sort of cram in as many sort of nutrients and antioxidants as possible and I, really, I just like the taste of it I like drinking the juice uh, anyway and then in terms of like the meal wise I said like a big salad. So again, like it'd be like a pretty large size bowl, especially if it's the the only meal I'll have. And I'll eat that over sort of 40 minutes or an hour or something. Um, so it'd be like a lot of leaves, uh, usually something like grated courgette. So I sort of give it like some substance and some kind of fats, which would be like a olive oil or flaxseed oil, um, like unrefined and organic. And then it'll be like sprouted seeds. So like mung beans, um, basically lots of different sort of sprouts and stuff in there. So I'm a big uh, fan of sprouted lentils as well. I, and there, I think, I guess, one of the main sources of protein for me. Um, and then I'll have some fruit as well in there. So that'll sort of bump up the, the calories in there to, to whatever I need. So if I'm doing a lot more physical activity, I'll have much more fruit in there to go alongside uh, all the greens and stuff. If I'm not doing as much physical activity, I'll, I just won't feel like I need to eat as much fruit. So basically, the bulk of what I'm eating is vegetables, and then whatever I need for sort of a my calorie usage will come from fruit. But I'd say that in volume, most of it's green stuff. So leafy greens, uh, cucumber, uh, courgette, sprouted seeds, and then fats like avocado, oils, that kind of thing. And then anything extra I need for energy would be from a, from a fruit base and from the juice. Wow. 
And you actually came out with uh, your own book on juicing called Juicing for Health and Performance. Um, when when you're juicing and, and you're making this like several, you know, liter blended smoothie of juice <laughs> or whatever, are you drinking that like throughout the day or is that like only kind of with your meal at the end of the day or... I'll like, generally have it sort of before, so I'll make it um, alongside my meal in the evening, or if it's in the afternoon, have it earlier in the day. Um, and I might even have two juices throughout the day, or basically as many as a one, but generally it's like one, like a couple liters a day, or it might be two if I'm doing a lot. Um, and I'll, I'll drink it over sort of uh, maybe half an hour, not not like a huge amount of time. I don't. I find it goes down pretty pretty quickly. And it's not like a soup, like I don't make the juices super sweet, so like it's It'll be like tasty, but it's it's not like uh, you're drinking like a super sweet like orange juice or something you'd buy from the store. It's like mostly quite watery uh, with greens and stuff in, and then just sweetened a little bit with like apples or pineapple or whatever it might be um, to put, uh, put in there. So you you can drink quite a lot of it without get you're not getting like the effect of drinking like a liter of Coca Cola or something. It's quite um, subtly sweet. Interesting. Interesting. Do you ever crave sweets or anything like that? Like, do you have any cravings? Uh, well, like, like I, if I feel like, like today, for example, I felt like I wanted something sort of desserty. So, uh, like two o'clock, I made like a like a smoothie, which was uh, frozen bananas uh, with spirulina powder in and some spinach, uh, chia seeds, flax seeds, and then I'll put that on top of frozen berries. So I had like frozen cherries in there, frozen berries, and some like crushed up cashew nuts on top. So like. And it's like super delicious. So like if I feel like I want something, I'll just kind of make something similar, if you know what I mean? Like I definitely know like in the past when I was like super, super strict on it, like when there's times like uh, when I'd like feel like I really wanted like some some like cooked leeks, for example, some steamed leeks, I wouldn't have them. And I'd like, I'd, I'd, but I'd feel like I had that craving for a few days. Cause I think at the time I didn't really understand whereas now like if you're feeling like a craving for certain things, especially if you're only eating raw foods, um, certain foods like you they have like stuff in them that's to sort of protect the plant so if you're eating like a lot of leeks broccoli uh cruciferous vegetables onions that kind of thing and you're sort of craving that food if you're only eating them raw you'll start to like struggle to digest them if you're eating solely that thing for a long period of time and that craving is not really going away whereas those are the kind of things that are sometimes good if you're still feeling like you want that that thing it's sometimes good to sort of steam those things and you can then digest those things easier. Like you, that sort of gets rid of some of the uh, inhibitors that are stopping you from being able to access whatever the nutrient is in that, that plant that you, you can't digest in a raw form. So that's kind of why I say now that like maybe 100% raw all the time isn't perfect in that like if you're craving something, sometimes the best way to be able to get that nutrient or whatever it is you're feeling like getting is from having it in a steamed form because it sort of breaks it down a little bit but it's not like something that i'd recommend like all that like you eat only steamed food all the time kind of thing right interesting most of your stuff just should still be raw in my mind at least yeah but a little bit here and there might be beneficial especially if you're craving something from like the cruciferous vegetable family and those kind of things that some people might find difficult to digest or uh, irritates them that kind of thing wow so if if somebody is like super interested in this and wants to try it out, what are some like the best resources? Should they just like Google, you know, raw vegan diet or raw food diet or check um, out your book or like like where would someone start if they kind of want to, I don't know, 
dip their toes in, I guess, as as someone might say. <laughs> I think it, I think is is relatively challenging because there's not like a huge amount of uh, research specifically into, into raw food, like not from like reputable sources. There's certainly a lot of very bad advice out there if you if you Google it, and certainly I think from especially this last couple of years, getting more involved in sort of like a raw food circles and finding out what people because we kind of did it on our own and quite isolated from it all. So we didn't really know what like other people who do this kind of thing eat and how they they do. And I think there's definitely a lot of bad advice out there. So it's, and it's very difficult if you're going into it to know what what to try. And I can completely understand why people get overwhelmed when they're looking into nutrition and stuff. Like if you're going at it and you've got, especially now with the internet, such a big thing, like you can research all these different things. You can find like all kinds of sources to what's a great idea. And I think like, common sense is a good starting point like and doing things in a slow way and like a considered way trying to include things um systematically and see how you actually feel over a period of time and i think like one thing everyone can agree on is start from reducing like processed foods and foods that are, like like fried and like cooked for extended periods of time at high temperatures and um, in terms of where to look i think like you can read a lot of books that are super useful to understand nutrition. I'd say I'd actually advise people to read from like a wide variety of sources, like things like the China study are very good to read. Um, some of like Michael Greger's book, but with any of these things, I wouldn't go picking just one and go wholeheartedly. that This is the only thing. And I, I kind of think there's a gap um, in good advice. I certainly haven't found many sources that in my mind say like a well-rounded um approach is actually kind of one of the things we're working on at the moment with Katya is we're putting together um, a few online courses which we've been working on for this last uh, year on and off like filming like recipe videos to go alongside it and sort of writing the lesson of structuring um, what we know and what she's found from working with people with much with actual health health issues as opposed to just trying to be a good kayak or whatever it might be so at some point in the next year we'll release some stuff we'll kind of put together um everything she's learned and my experiences with it as well um but i think the main thing for my advice for people who are interested in, in health nutrition is to read from a wide variety of sources and use your common sense a little bit and try things in a measured and slow uh way and start from just get, getting rid of heavily processed foods would be my main main point and if you can eat stuff that's organic and grown locally grown in your garden that's going to do you a great uh service I like that. I, I I think that's a great piece of advice for anything in life. Use common sense. Y use some common <laughs> sense. Um, no, that's that's amazing. And and we'll definitely. I, I'm in, uh, very intrigued to check out check out your online course once it's finished. <clears throat> James, what have you been doing? You kind of mentioned it a little bit, but for because you're currently training for the world championships as well. You're doing some flat water right now. How is like I guess COVID. Um, yeah, how how are you training and how is that kind of affecting, you know, your training, paddling and all that kind of stuff? Well, I mean, like, well, actually last year it helped me a lot to get lots of training because uh, Katya was working with a client in um, in Thailand in February. And then because of COVID, all the flights got canceled and she got stuck there basically from February till uh, December. So yeah. what it actually meant was that just because I didn't have anyone else around, I had like a lot more free time. So I actually was kayaking as soon as the white water course opened up in, in June, like the place where I go to train most of the time in Nottingham, where the worlds uh, will be. Uh, I was there uh, like three or four days a week. So it was actually 
first time in like quite a few years I've been able to put quite that amount of time into paddling again and finally sort of get in a place where I felt like uh, good. And then obviously we've come into the winter and had our recent lockdown, which has made it really difficult to from from the beginning of December, basically, you haven't been able to do like any sort of white water training. I've just had uh, flat water, which made it quite challenging. And I, I'm yet to see how well, I mean, I'm curious to know like when the white water course opens again soon, how, like how much of a difference doing the flat water stuff will have made to whether I still feel good or like whether you like the techniques are still fresh or whether you've having to sort of put the work in again. So uh, we'll have to see. But I basically I've just been sort of trying to keep physically fit, like going for runs, bike rides, doing strength training. Like thankfully I have like a bit of a home home gym set up. So even the fact that the, the gyms and stuff have been closed for most of the last year or so, um, I've been very grateful. I've had, I happen to have like my own weights and stuff at home. So I've been able to keep in rough shape as best I can um, in this time. So I think like a lot of it remains to be seen, um, but I think everyone's in the same boat. Like uh, people have all kinds of restrictions where they live on the world. I think the UK has definitely been one of the more uh, harsher uh, restrictions put on people. Um, and it's definitely been a challenge. And here, like we're quite reliant upon the white water courses, which are like, if you was like, if you live, live near a natural river and it was running, you could anyway, even as it is now, you could go and train there. But because all the white water courses where most of the freestyle paddlers train in the UK are like managed and run by centres, uh, the restrictions mean they're all closed. So it's, um, it's been a challenge for everyone, really. Interesting. So, yeah, being that you're, we're talking about the whitewater course here in Nottingham, and that's actually going to be where the, the upcoming world championships are going to happen. Have you heard anything? I know like the official ICF um, <laughs> um, release or or press release will come out in, in a couple of weeks, I think in early or mid April on what's going to happen with the world championships. But have you heard anything more about that? Or I've heard some grumblings, you know, uh, I, but think, I, I think we a lot of us await. I think there's supposed to be some announcement. Um, I think there's a very small chance of it happening in July. And I think, it, I don't think anyone wants to cancel it. Uh, that's for sure. So I think it may well happen in September or next year is the ideas I think but I think a lot of people are sort of waiting to find out what's possible because obviously like it's such a, a big event they need to have various backers like our governing body the British Canoeing and then everything has to be approved by the ICF and then we have to make sure that like that people can come to it so if if we, it'd be a pretty rubbish world championship if we've just got me Gavin Rob Crowe the British paddling, <laughs> paddling at the White Water Course on our own you guys, um, you guys so might really, be the podium either way, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> no, no. So I, really, we need, yeah. we need to make sure, like, from the as I understand, from the organizers and all the backers, they want to make sure that everyone who needs to be there can get there, and it's not going to be like ridiculously expensive or impossible for people to do. Or they're not going to have to quarantine for like a month beforehand and a month after. So it has to be feasible that the competitors from around the world can get there. So I think a lot of, it, of what is going on is they're waiting to find out what's going on in the world how these vaccinations are impacting things and like, i mean currently it's supposed to happen in july and we're supposed to have a selection event for the gb team uh, on like the 20 somethings of april uh but i think we're everyone's waiting to find out what the icf and british canoeing say as to like whether they want it to happen in july whether it has to be delayed uh i think it's a big waiting game so i haven't really got any uh, any news for you, I'm afraid. No, that's that's a lot we're, of the, We're all 
yeah we're all waiting to hear basically a lot of the same you know things that i've been hearing as well is that it's unlikely that it'll probably happen this july it might get postponed uh or it might go uh, like next year or something like that but well I'll, i mean who knows anything can change i think it, like then, from a so. lot of people's because they put like uh like our governing body well our freestyle committee put like a, a poll out to see what people thought was the best best option I think most people felt like putting it next year would be the best plan in terms of by then, hopefully most countries will be restriction free in terms of travel and stuff. So I think that's kind of what everyone that I've spoken to wants to happen, whether that's feasible, that's what, what I think they're waiting to, to find out. Right. Right. James, this has been awesome and thoroughly enjoy our conversation together. I'm going to move us on into the next part of the show that I call the fire round and just fire a couple quick <laughs> questions off at you. Um, James, do you have a favorite quote that you live by? Feel the fear and do it anyway. So like anytime you're feeling like uh, scared to do something that's not like ridiculously dangerous, like more in terms of like, I don't know, a social situation or whatever, you should push yourself to go and out, go outside your comfort zone and do it because you'll always end up feeling better for it and have gained some learning from that experience. I love that. I, I have definitely had that experience myself where pretty much any time I've pushed myself into an uncomfortable situation on the other side of fear, I'm, I'm usually, whether it's success or failure, I, I, I have that pride that I at least took the action. So I, I like it's, that. I think, I think you're right. It's the action that matters. Yeah. Yeah. What, um, what might be one of your favorite books or current books that you're reading? Mm, I'm, I'm, at the moment, the book I've been listening to at the moment is called Tools of Titans by uh, Tim Ferriss. And I've, actually, like, I'm about halfway through now. And I'm, that's it's the most recent book I'm reading. And I think I highly recommend it. It's basically interview like snippets from interviews with lots and lots of successful people from tons of different backgrounds and lots of little takeaways. So some of the stuff you'll listen is completely irrelevant to you. But every now and then there'll be like a little gem that you'll want to sort of scribble down something you, you might want to apply to your own life. And I've, I find it really interesting. Yeah, no, that's a, it's a great book. And it's, it's a really easy read too, because you can just like, you know, some of the interviews, they're like one or two pages. So you can just like read a couple pages, put the book down for a little bit, pick it up back and just, it's, yeah, it's a very cool book. Uh, what's his other one? Is it Tribe of Titans? Tribe of, Tribe of Mentors. Yeah. The, Is that right? He's got like a four hour body, I think. And I haven't, I haven't read any of his other books. It's the first book I've read, I've read of his and I found it really good. So I think I'll have to look up after I'm done what, uh, what else he's written. Yeah, he, he wrote two back-to-back. I think it's Tribe of Titans, or uh, Tools of Titans and Tribe of Mentors, maybe, um, I think are the two back-to-back books where it was that same style of like, I think it's actual interviews from his podcast or where he would send yeah, a questionnaire yeah. or something like that. And anyways, it's a, it's, a, it's a pretty cool concept where quick read and, and a lot of just like cool nuggets of gold in there. Um James, if you could go back in time to any time in your life and give yourself one piece of advice, what might it be? Mm, I'd probably go back to when I was younger and tell myself not to like care what other people think. Like I think especially like in my uh, like from like younger years when I was at school and up until basically probably when I started taking kayaking seriously, I was always too worried about what people thought of me and like was like doing all kinds of stupid things to try and appear a certain way. And it's only really, only really started to feel good and do well once I kind of got over that, uh, which probably coincides with where I started to like change my diet and uh, stop drinking and focus on on the things that actually matter to me and sort of not be so worried about how I appear to people. 
Yeah, I had uh, a similar scenario where, and and I'm I'm guessing that maybe it just happens to a lot of young people, but where you you try to like yeah appear this certain way to like fit in better or whatever, and then maybe as you get older, you start realizing like I'm just gonna be my authentic <laughs> self and just going. Uh-huh. And, and I don't care what other people say, or maybe that's just something that we have in common. I'm not sure, but but I had. I definitely... think you have, I think most people experience. Like I think like when you're young, it's it's normal to feel that pressure to to want to fit in, and then I think as you get older, like you have the experiences that mean that you don't feel that pressure anymore, or maybe you just get tired of maybe everyone just gets tired of being something they're not, and you're just like, oh, you know what, I'll just just be me. Yeah, no, I like that. That's great advice. Um, if you were to leave this earth today. And everything that you've done up to now is erased. Uh, your book, your all the videos that you've made, your titles, your championship, everything's gone. And the only thing that you're gonna ab- that's able to be left behind is a piece of paper, and you could write down three truths. What would those three truths be? Hmm, good question. Um, I put like take care of the planet as the first first one. Like take care of whatever planet you're on. Um, look after your health because it's kind of it's your one life you've got so you need to kind of make it count and given the fact that people like to procrastinate you need to extend it as much as you can really um, and be kind I love that all three of those take care of the planet take care of yourself be kind great advice James thank you so very much for your time with me today in this conversation and in all my interviews, I try my best to also provide as much value as I can. So is there anything right now that you are focusing on that maybe I could help you out with or possibly my listeners? Mm, tell me a bit more about it because I know you've been doing a lot of physical training lately. And I know you have quite a lot of stuff uh, based at your home that you do. What kind of training things have you been doing that have you, you found most beneficial that anyone could do with minimal sort of equipment and stuff at home? I'm going to tell you one and it's going to sound odd. Uh, so, so go ahead and get ready for this one, everybody. I try to do every morning, um, I'll go for a run. But in to start my run off, I'll actually do 15 minutes of just like walking. So I just walk for the first 15 minutes of my run. My run's about, you know, 40, 40 to 45 minutes, sometimes longer. It's about four miles. Um, but I'll start off for the first, you know, mile or so and I'll just walk. And that in that mile... I really focus on gratitude and, and I try to think of all the things that I'm grateful for, um, all the things that I have going for me, all the things that, that I want to achieve in life. And it just really puts me in a peak mindset, uh, for the day. I try to do this in the morning every day and it just really helps, um, just put me in the right mindset for the day. And then I finish it off, you know, so I start off with that walk and, and kind of like a gratitude practice. And, and then I finish it off with a run. I used to do something similar, uh, where I would do yoga in the morning and kind of finish with, a whatever it's called, Havasana, Savasana, whatever, where you're laying down and, uh, and kind of do uh, gratitude practice there, but I've kind of switched to this version because I like being more active uh, and and then also feeling like I got to work out in pretty early on in the morning. But I, I do a very, you know, a whole bunch of other stuff too, but that honestly is probably the thing that I do the most and that makes me feel the best. So, and, and it's something that anybody can do and you can do it anywhere in life. You don't need to have 
You could, you know, you could be traveling. Anyone can go for a walk, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think that's that's probably the thing that's been most impactful. Oh, for give me. it, a, give it a go. I mean, like I've always admired you specifically, Nick, for your like outlook. Especially like every time I've met you, you're always brimming with joy and happiness, and like sharing the fun uh, for what you're doing. And I don't think I've ever seen you uh, getting angry or upset or anything, whatever situation I've seen you in. So I think. Uh, it must be working for you. Awesome. Well, well, thank you so very much for that, Pringle. Um, again, this has just been a phenomenal conversation. And where can people reach out to you or follow you uh, if that's something that they would like to continue on after this? Uh, probably the, the place I'm most active. I'm not super active or anything, but I have like my own personal Instagram, which is just my name. It's Instagram and then uh, James Bebbington. So you can find me there. And then in terms of like all the health and nutrition stuff, it's not like fully built or anything yet, but that'll be on um, Catch's website when well, it is live at the moment, but it's not like the finished thing. It's uh, masteringhumanbehavior.com. Awesome. But so that's still, like I say, there's not too much there, but you'll find a little bit of stuff there. And whenever we've managed to finish stuff, that's where it'll, uh, you'll be able to have a look at it. Cool. Well, I'll put a link to both your your social and uh, Mastering Human Behavior as well in the show notes. And for anybody else who's interested, check out Pringle's book, Juicing for Health and Performance. And yeah, again, thank you so very much for your time. This has been just a phenomenal, phenomenal conversation. And I definitely feel like I learn something new every time that we get to talk about health, fitness, and, and your raw vegan lifestyle. So thank you, James. For all the listeners out there, I hope you guys got some value out of this. And as always, I ask if you did get value, please, if you could share this out with one person, uh, share it with a friend or family member or throw it up on your social. And uh, yeah, that's just how we can kind of share this out to more people, build our community and and just, yeah, share it out. So thank you guys for doing that. I'm Nick Troutman signing off, wishing you all an awesome day. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.